All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fant. So this is seems to be a annual thing here at the Iowa Deer Classic with the Trunk Hills. And I have the Albrights as my other next set of guests as well. So this is the first time ever being on a podcast and with me and in the same room of this, of this greatness here. So this is going to be pretty level, level breaking stuff here. So we're going to be talking about... Kayla's monster buck she shot this year in October, which is pretty exciting to hear about the story and how it all happened. We got Tyson talking about doing all the work and she gets all the glory. And then, uh, uh, yeah, you messed me up there for a second. And then we're gonna roll into talking to Travis and Julie about their experiences that brought them together, how they've gotten into hunting and what they've overcome and such, especially being a female shooter. We've all, run, if you want to listen to a really good podcast, listen to the the, the female, ta- the all women takeover and really kind of get some ideas what's going on and be kind of interesting to follow up with you because last year you had some issues at the, the Iowa Deer Classic. But before we get the, on to the next day, I'm going to roll the intro. Beautiful. So, Kayla, how yes. break down that big buck you shot back in October? Tell us the whole story about it from from when you woke up, got in the stand, drew back, and put an arrow through it. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> it was all blur. <laughs> um, just kidding. So the night before we went out, our middle child kept going back and forth on if she wanted to go out shooting with us, and I said, "Well, if you go, then I'm gonna go," because Tyson would take Tegan and. They would sit together, and then I'd go sit by myself, and yeah, I was going back and forth if I even wanted to go out, because it was cold, and <laughs> we weren't seeing crap all season, so we, I finally made the decision just to go, because Tegan wanted to go, and it was only my second time sitting by myself, but prior to the time, Tyson was only maybe 50 yards behind me, so he was still there, Okay. but he wasn't there, you know what I mean? But this time they were across the highway on another set of property all by themselves and I was by myself in my tree stand and I can only shoot within 20 yards no matter which way I look just because that's the setup right there. But I was turning around to complain to a squirrel to go away and to stop bothering me and I just texted Tyson five minutes before this deer popped out that this is stupid and I am ready to go and he goes yeah not seeing anything over here either and then I see the rack and I'm like, oh, okay. And then it kept coming up my way, sneaking up. So then I stood up and drew back and waited until it got closer because I realized it wasn't the two baby deers that I named Spike and Bandit. I know, I'm weird. <laughs> no, I could clearly relate to that. I had a buck that I was, I was chasing in Minnesota. I called him Dark Man because he'd only show up either at dusk or at dawn. And as soon as, he would, as, soon as my camera would go off, he would be he would disappear for the rest of the season. It's like son of a gun, never see him again. Yeah. And so, but we, I, I called him Dark Man, eighties horror fan here. And then she had a, my wife had a buck, Alicia, that she nicknamed Maverick, just the way the way his came flying in. Some of the cameras that we had on uh, on video and such. I still actually keep, I still have those videos because they're still really cool watching him just walking by, just massive wide one thirty or one forty class buck. It was just really so cool to see. Yeah, I mean, Spike's like a year and a half-ish, just little Spike's and then Bandit's three, four-year-old. And I could have shot both of them, 
prior to the season. Okay. And Tyson was like, well, Bandit, if you want to shoot him, you can. I mean, he's fairly decent size for being a three, four-year-old. But I'm like, no, I'll just wait. And then we didn't see anything. And then, I don't know, this, this buck comes out of the middle of nowhere. And I knew he was fairly big because his rat kept getting hit back and forth between the bushes that were right there. So I saw it and I was like, okay, this isn't Spike. This isn't Bandit. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm here we go. So then I stood up and I'm going through my head everything that Tyson's ever told me because, you know, if I fuck this up, then I'm never going to hear the end of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, I'm still a little sick. So um, I stand up, I start breathing and trying to calm myself down because when I shoot my does prior, I was nervous, shaking, and that's kind of what I do when I see a deer. I get all crazy and start shaking and adrenaline's mm -hmm. running. So I was calming myself down and then I, he was walking up the trail and he get right in front of me, but then his head was still down. I was like, okay, I can't shoot. Cause Tyson says never shoot when the, when the deer's head's down. Well, he picked it up and he spotted me. I'm like, okay, I need to shoot. Like it's going to be now or never. Cause if he puts his head down, then I'm screwed. Shot it. Perfect shot. He did a 90 degree turn. So my arrow, we found out I actually got lodged in him cause I shoot super short arrows cause I'm short draw true so when he did his 90 degree turn my arrow actually got lodged in him long ways like it the tip of the arrow came out right at the belly interesting but there wasn't back leg there was a in what how am i trying there was a exit hole on the other side of him so like when he turned he kind of got jammed three different ways interesting so after i saw which way he went and I gave it some time, and then I got down to look for blood and to look for my arrow. Okay. I didn't see either. So that's actually when I messaged Julie, and I was, like, crying. <laughs> <laughs> Saying, I think I just heard a buck. Like, I don't see it. But I knew I had a good shot on it because I saw where it went. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of, like, then I started questioning myself and all this stuff. And Tyson's messaging me, asked me, because I was, like, I got a buck. And he goes, seriously? <laughs> I, can hear, I can hear his voice. Seriously. And I go, yes, I seriously just got a buck. He goes, you were just complaining five minutes ago that you weren't seeing anything. And then he's asking me all these questions like, how far away was it? Where did you hit it at? I'm like, I don't know. Like, how was it facing? What was it doing? <laughs> it's like it was right there, 18 yards, as far as I can shoot. He goes, no, like, where did you hit it? So then I sent him a picture of me pointing where he had come up. And then he goes, well, how big was it? I was like, I don't know, six, eight. So then, I don't know, an hour later, after he couldn't get anything out of me, he goes, well, I'll walk up there. T and I will get down in an hour, and we'll come over, and we'll help you track it. I said, okay. So then an hour later went by after I'm texting Julie and Brooke and Amanda saying, I think I just got a buck. Like, I'm super excited right now. But there was no blood. So an hour goes by, and they come back, and they start walking up the main trail and Tyson said he saw blood and it was kind of super weird because when after I got down from my tree stand after he came and got me there was blood on top of the water interesting sitting there yeah that's yeah. Uh, that's strange you know saying so the yeah so there's a little natural spring that runs through our property and there was actually blood sitting on top of moving water I don't know how that worked but it was just droplets not moving with the rest of the water it was crazy but just a weird anomaly of nature, I guess. Interesting. So, yeah. So anyways, he comes up to my stand. He goes, well, we found a blood trail. I said, 
good because there was no blood when I got down. So we walked back down the main trail because the deer, when I shot him, he went straight in front of me. He didn't go down the main trail. So we go down the main trail and we spot him or we spot the blood. And then we go in a little ways into the brush. And then Tyson stops and he turns at me and he goes, six point. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> she didn't realize I had the probably 50 yards into the bush, maybe where we had cut off the main trail. Okay. I just stopped and I could see five points up in the air because it was laying on its side. Okay. So I'm like, there's no way unless we have one decent buck that's broke off. I'm like, did you shoot the broke off one? She's okay. like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I can see five points from here. So I don't know where you came up with six points, maybe eight, you know, whatever you told me earlier. So then I was like, then she's like, no, it wasn't broke off because I, when he was crashing down through the woods, he was hitting stuff. His head was bouncing off at two sides. So she's like, I know there's both sides there. So then I was like, well, he's right here, you know, and pointed and she could see him and she walked up next to me. And, and I, so we walked up and I put my hands on and pulled his head up straight. And I was like, wide 10 point. <laughs> yeah. So I, we haven't scored it yet, but it was, 22 and a half inches inside spread Whew. and what a monster and we looked at another rack today that a friend of ours had that was a 138 and it was only 14 inch inside spread and the tines on hers are probably slightly bigger so we're thinking 140 low 140s at least 135 probably but it's at the taxidermist right now getting scored so or getting mounted anyway perfect yeah, it's, that's your first one you got. You got to mount it. That's the best thing because you only have one buck. You only have one buck, and it's, it's like you got It's the only gotta, buck up on our wall. Yeah, yeah that's got to go up on the wall. That's, that's going in the living room. It'll be the only shoulder mount. I have Euros that I've done on my own that are probably 120s, 130s. But it's definitely bigger than any buck that I've ever shot, and that's great. And I'm absolutely proud and amazed by her ability to keep her composure enough to do that and not tell me the story right after it happens though <laughs> kept you guessing i don't know i just kind of black out after like it's i don't know just the adrenaline's going and you need to ask me the questions or be there because i was i'm not gonna know what to tell you until i get down i'm like okay this is good now did you send him a picture with like a, a circled spot on it and like an arrow because that's what i get no i pointed with my finger it was her finger pointing and her taking a picture of her finger pointing to a spot on the right, i that one too and i'm like well, where are you pointing like, you well know, i was like, like that work? you know i can only shoot 20 yards no matter which way so why are you asking he goes well where was it i said i don't know but in reality 10 yards is a whole lot different than 20 yards when there's a big buck standing in front of you so Absolutely. Yeah, and but getting back to the whole arrow thing lodged inside it. So like, we discussed walking the blood trail backwards to go find her arrow after the fact, thinking like it passed through somewhere, you know. And then I finally rolled the deer. She went to move the truck because it died like a hundred yards from our truck. It couldn't have been better. It ran oh, towards our truck. Never. Happens. So then I was like, well, yeah, go get the happened. truck. Yeah. You know, grab the backpack with the knives and stuff in it and bring that back and just drive the truck as close as you can, which ended up being like 40, 50 yards. That's so not bad. Like, yeah, the perfect amount that you want to drag a giant buck. Uh huh. So while she went to get the truck, I rolled it over. And as soon as I did, her arrow popped out in the gut area in front of the back leg. But somehow it completely missed any of the 
of the like gut organs, stomach, all that stuff. But wow. so I think her arrow hit when it spun and it rode the rib cage. That's a that's a knock on wood right there. And popped out in front of the back leg and the in the lower belly area. But as soon as I rolled it, it like shot out like six inches and I pulled it out. Then it was like a fountain of blood just shot out of this thing and drained it. So pretty neat deal that we didn't have to go find her arrow or really track it at all, basically. Okay. So and i hit it right where he told me to hit it i mean because the night before i was like well this is gonna be like my first time sitting in this stand i was like by my my second time by myself but really he's right there behind me so he can if there's a deer coming he'll be able to see it coming down and then you know that kind of stuff but so this was like my first time by myself and then he i was like well where do i need to hit it because when we hunt he's right there in the tree stand with me and he'll tell me you need to place it right here so he's right behind me telling me where I need to put it. Okay. And then, because we do the double tree stands. Yes, yeah, so, I've seen you guys in those tree stands. Yeah, so he's right there behind me, put it right there. Well, I was completely by myself now. So I had to make sure I knew everything this time around. So I was talking to him like the night before. I was like, okay, so if I see a deer, where do I need to shoot it? What do I need to do? And that's when he's like, well, if it's heads down, don't shoot it put it right behind the shoulder blades because your arrow is not going to go through the shoulder blade because you shoot those tiny thingies. So I did everything he told me, and it just happened to be everything line up how it's supposed to. Oh, that's awesome. So, so I, have, I had a guest on my podcast here a few weeks ago. His name was Zachary Hansen, and you're talking about your story about your broadhead. So he, his story is it's actually on the Hunting Stories podcast. I was My episode with him just released two weeks ago, but his story was talking about it. It's like he... Heard his wife woke up. They're, they live in uh, Idaho. And wife hears something more rustling around. And, and it happens to be a, a black bear. Has a black bear tag for it. So here he is. Like the wife wakes up. Hey, wake up, wake up. There's a, there's a bear out there. So he doesn't get dressed. He just grab. He's just in his boxers. Grabs his bow. Knocks an arrow. Runs outside. And just drills it. Just drills it. The son of a gun takes off and runs like 400 yards. They spend hours looking for it. And they must have bumped it at some point in time because there's no real, they found blood, but it was sparse in between and stuff like that. Well, then, while him and the wife are still out to look, and this is about five hours in the end to look, all of a sudden they, they hear the loud death roll of the bear. And it's like it broke his wife down because she was the first time she ever heard a bear go through the whole process. Well, Moving on to how he cleans it. As he's cutting it, cutting it down, he gets the genitalia. He's a male. So you, in Idaho, you have to leave the speech, the, the sex on it. He, he, all of a sudden, he's taking his, his knife to go around the, the testicles. All of a sudden, he scratches a blade because he, he didn't know where the arrow went. Because it's like he was still in the cavity. He just didn't know where it went. The arrow traveled down its, its gullet, and it's, down its butt cavity, and he finds the broadhead right near his testicles and it's like every it's like oh oh it's like yeah that's just no idea how it ran up there yeah it, yeah but that's how he found the broadhead was his knife going around it when he found it it was just completely random but he ended up recovering it but that's just something i thought would be fun to share yeah i mean my broadheads are good i shoot the annihilator so they yeah. they do their job but he's always said don't shoot it on the shoulder blade so Mm -hmm. I did everything I was supposed to do, and that time, my first year this season worked out good. Now the other times, that's a different story. But yeah. let's talk about that. Is, is this the one when the arrow fall? Oh, okay. So, so we were back in a double stand, actually up in the stand where Tegan and I were sitting when she shot this buck. 
and where she shot her first doe, which was awesome, because uh, she shot at 22 yards and it ran about eight yards from two eight yards from us. So we watched it die right at our stand. I'm like, it never works this way. No, it so, never does. Yeah, she's she's been getting Only lucky for them because of the guide the the guide service as we call it. But uh, <laughs> so if you get out there on her social media stuff, her TikTok, whatever, there's a excellent video by a very good cameraman that happened to be sitting right next to her of this <laughs> doe that she was trying to shoot, and it's a heartbreaker, and I laugh every time because it's hilarious at the same time. But. So this plan she hunted, she's like, we're going hunting tomorrow. We're going to sit. not sound like that. <laughs> you did. <laughs> we're going hunting tomorrow. We're going to sit in the stand. This is what time we're leaving. She like literally mapped out, planned the whole trip to our, mm -hmm. you know, our normal hunting ground. But she's like, this is what we're doing. I'm going to shoot a doe. This is how it's going to happen. Like she played this all out in her mind, except for one little crucial part. This doe come out. We watched it, had plenty of time to shoot. I'm like filming right over her shoulder i'm like stand up you know draw now and it looked up at her didn't care she went to fully anchor and her arrow pops off oh man and i was like your arrow fall off your arrow. she's shit you can't hear that on the film her say shit <laughs> and then she's like i know and like <laughs> i'm like let it down it, like and i'm trying not to laugh at the same time and i just i can just picture her bawling at this point while she's still at full draw she saved that for a little bit later but like perfectly filmed this thing because like you watch the video and like she's gonna smoke this thing and all of a sudden like this is where you're gonna insert that trombone sound later <laughs> you just all of a sudden you see her arrow fall off and like wah wah and like didn't know what to do so she let it down and the doe just ran like another 30 yards away where we didn't have a shot at it. And like, she was just instantly upset. And I was, I felt bad for her, but I was like, that's hunting. You know, it does, it doesn't always work exact like, like you plan. But what had happened is it was so cold that her knocks shrunk basically. And they weren't tight on her string and she brushed her veins on her coat collar and her arrow popped off ah, when she went to anchor. That makes sense. So we figured out how to remedy that. Um, but yeah, so then there was probably half an hour left of shooting time. And she's like, let's go. I'm like, just give us some time in case this doe comes back. It didn't. It just kind of walked off out of sight, taunting her. And we got down probably 10 minutes early and just like, let's go the long way around through the hay field. You know, we got halfway across this hay field. She just stopped and just bawled cried you know went for the hug so then i had to hug her because i wanted to because i love her yeah uh -huh. and you know and i felt the emotion like it was it's just one of those experiences that now looking back she probably still doesn't think it's funny but she's got a vendetta against this doe now and it's going to be a year older and that much bigger and i think we'll get her because we've seen her after the fact too she still hangs around okay but yeah, it was just one of those things that you just got to go through because it happens. Weird shit happens. Uh, seems like it happens to us more than not. But <laughs> but I got it on film, so we always got that to look back, and people can go look that up now and actually see it because it's, it's funny. Oh, it's great. I, I, enjoyed it. I, I thought it was pretty funny, too. As much as I hated that experience, I post all my stuff 
on Facebook, on TikTok, on Instagram, because that's kind of my role for being a staff shooter's expedition is documenting my story. Yes. As much as it sucked for me, it helped a lot of other females out. Like that night, I got a whole bunch of text messages reaching out saying, okay, this has happened to me before. Like, what do we do to fix the situation? How do we come back from that situation? So as much as I didn't enjoy the experience, it helped quite a few people out. So in the end, it kind of panned out. And I would apply to you for your your vulnerability as, as a pure female hunter with you is those are the things you don't want to share are the opportunities to learn um and you put it out there in front of everybody um i know i watched it and i saw some some hate and some there were some brutal comments brutal, I saw them brutal, brutal comments yeah. and you know about you know that's immature hunter or that's why females don't hunt or you know various things like that and it is it's frustrating to see those things but i also applaud you for being vulnerable and putting it out there because we all learn somehow. We all have those situations. And you know what? Not all of us put it public for others to learn from and to, you know, allow that space of growth for a female hunter. Like, I just applaud you for that. And it's not easy to do. Thanks. I appreciate that because it's definitely not easy. I mean, especially that video. It wasn't so much Facebook because I keep, I still keep my Facebook private. So that's only friends, family, but my yes. TikTok is public. And that's where a lot of the comments come from. And I know it's from like these grumpy old men that don't have a life and they see these kind of videos are like, huh, oh, that's why women shouldn't hunt. And I mean, I looked at Tyson for one of the comments and I was like, I can't. Like, I want to try to went back to try to do it and try to, and try to pick on him too, but you already deleted the, the well, person and blocked him. I turned him in and blocked him, and then he made another fake account, so then TikTok flagged that one. So Oh, nice. Look at yeah. that. Justice does happen. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, being her spouse or whatever, I just, and I was like, hey, and I warned her ahead of time, there's going to be some shit that isn't true. We know it's not true, and it's just guys being assholes, you know? But I'm like, this one guy's like, well, you, you know, just ragging on her. And I was like, man, you just need to shut the fuck up. Like, you don't see this giant fucking buck she shot two weeks before that. Like, uh -huh. you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know her. You don't know what she's been through to get to here. You don't mm -hmm. realize that she agreed to make herself vulnerable to assholes like you because she wants to teach other people the right way to do things. And that shit happens. And, you know. And like, if you've been bow hunting long enough, something stupid like that is going to happen to you. And you either be a dick about it like him and not admit to it. And, you know, you're the world's greatest hunter or you throw that out there to, you know, for everybody else to see and learn from it and maybe get a laugh out of it or not. But, you know, she's not there to be your punching bag. She's there to help teach other women and mm -hmm. kids and other men, you know that shit happens and you know this is how we carry on from it oh yeah definitely so, like yeah. I, this early summer i was at the king of the hill 3d shoot there in uh of uh, mount harab at for beast mode archery games and it's like i'm i draw back where this is after the after doing the course losing five of my six arrows my last arrow and one of them one of the, one of the situations that happened is that drew back let it fly well my knock stayed on the string and my arrow just flies <laughs> and, it, and it's like luckily it hit it hit foam but you know that's something that was on there but that stuff happens it's like and the only way we could figure we well tyson pointed out she's like grab a, a plastic bag put it in there and puncture it through this so this way it creates a better seal because sometimes luminox 
or nocturnals or knock-ons yeah. are not always going to fit the shaft properly, and it's just a way to create that extra seal yep. to be able to do it. But it's like it was funny. It's like all of a sudden, everybody goes like, everybody goes like, oh look there, close your ear, your arrow. <laughs> or one of them was is that I shot and my arrow kept going and my knock falls out. And it's like just think if that was an actual like a live action situation, I'm pointing in an arrow in a deer or something like that. Luckily, it happened in practice on a, on an, in a secure area that has everybody getting hurt. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that people who don't know me don't see either. Is I'm out there every day in the summer working my butt off, mm-hmm. and I mean, I've come from being not so great to being one of the highest shooting people at the Iowa R100. R100. Yeah. I work. I don't just sit there and go out every now and then. And that's what people, they're like, oh, well, you have Tyson. No. Tyson, I mean, yes, I do have Tyson. <laughs> I do have Tyson. But Tyson's not out there doing the reps every day during mm-hmm. summer. He's not there when I'm, you know. Well, and I think a big thing, you know, with hunting too is like the resilience. Not a lot of people talk about how resilient you need to be because not everybody is publicly putting out there what what has occurred or how they learned not to do something or anything along those lines. A lot of people not familiar with the industry just say, oh, you know, every year they get a buck or every year you're getting a good buck, like awesome, great work, but they don't know the work that goes behind it. So like the resiliency you have to have in this, you know, sport is something you don't really recognize until you do it yourself. And I would say like, that's something I didn't recognize until I started having obstacle after obstacle and like these things putting out there, it, it helps others want to get involved so that they aren't hurt or discouraged right away because we all have it. It's just not everybody publicizes it. Yeah. And like, we've always worked as a team, you know, like we're each other's support system with some of our other close friends, but like, I set up her bow. I'm teaching her how to do it. She's, she's there hands on, like, show me how to do this. Show me how to do that. But she's the one pulling it back. She's the one making the judgment call. If she's going to shoot that deer or shoot that target. And, you know, and you and I know that it's, it's easy to make a mistake and not load an arrow on your bow at a, at a scramble shoot. And like your buddy Tyson's like, Hey Jeff, you going to shoot that without that arrow this time? Yeah, like, he's, how well he's do you think that's going to score? He's caught you know? me. Chris hands caught me. She's caught me. She's, yeah, it she's been there. It's happened. We have one of those on video too, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I can't even count on my fingers and probably toes. The number of guys that I've stood next to that have, you know, distance from me to you away three feet away and dry fired their bow because we were talking and they weren't paying attention like i don't even know like i've been so close to being injured by some of my best friends not paying attention and just like wham you know what was that yeah you didn't put an arrow on your bow you know and nobody caught it in time it it happens so anybody that says that shit don't happen to them. They either don't shoot enough or they're a liar. And yeah. that's, that's the, the, yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't have, have friends. They don't have friends to distract them when they're yeah. shooting and <laughs> keep talking their ear off, trying to make a miss or whatever. Right. So, but yeah, so that was what, uh, and then there's my luck of, I had two does in 10 minutes and that's the only deer I had in range the whole time. And we put two does in the freezer and there's nothing else to talk about that. So that's our, that's our season in a nutshell. Let's move on. I got a Christmas deer. Yeah. Yeah. At least least you recovered your deer. I shot a doe and I shot her so far forward that I hit that little gray area in the rib cage and went straight through. And it's like, I watched it, watched the arrow go through and go out the other side. Oh, this is awesome. And she's going to, I got a file piled up, tracked her for 400 yards. 
And she got to an open field, and she went through the water, and she just took off, and that was the end of it. Yeah, my two does, the first one came in, shot it at 17 yards, and it died at eight yards or so. Beautiful. And then the other one came in, it was a low percentage shot, and I'll admit to it, it was a head-on shot, and she was watching me, and I took the shot, hit her through the neck, and she went 30 yards down the hill, basically, and landed in the creek bottom, that same creek bottom, but you know, it was easy drag. And I was confident enough in my abilities, which I don't recommend if you're, you know, a newer shooter, just don't think you can do it, don't do it. But I was pretty sure I could pull it off. Nice, clear shot. And that was it. So, I mean, if you know your equipment, know your abilities. What? Yeah. Oh, then, so Kayla's in this other stand, the same stand that she was talking about before. I'm like 50, 60 yards away. Okay. And she's like, did you just shoot a doe? I was like, yeah. Yeah, it went down the hill out of my sight. She's like, oh, I saw it. It was crashing down, like trying to stand up and just falling down the hill the whole time like a drunk girl. Like, <laughs> so I'm like laughing out loud in the stand. I'm like, you know where it went? She's like, yeah. It, I, she's like, I think it ended up in the creek down there. Like it went over this, the last drop and out of sight. And I'm like, well, you can see going up the other side. She's like, it didn't come up. So I was like, it's laying in the creek, which, <laughs> so then we ended up, I got the little one in the sled, went to get her and I ended up carrying her out on my back, like 200 yards to the truck because there was no way I could, she was big. There's no way I could have drug her up the creek bank. And like, yeah, it was just yeah, miserable, but she's out. So in I, the freezer, I think I'm going to let Alicia tell you the story about when we draw, uh, dragged out my big buck. <laughs> That, that wasn't fun at all. I don't. So when Jeff got his buck in Minnesota, our last hunt out there, we were looking for it forever. We ended up letting it rest overnight because we're like, it, it's just, we're spooking it. We're doing something. It's not going to work out. Couldn't find any blood. But then we finally knocked on this neighbor's property. We knocked on his door. And of course I'm a girl. So I'm thinking he'll say yes to me. No. <laughs> He was the meanest old man in the world, but he finally, she's like, you know what? Get it off my property. I don't care. Just don't do anything on my, pro just get it off my property. Cause I think he heard the coyotes and the coyotes did get to it just a little bit on the hindquarters, but it was enough that we could still save the rest of him. And, uh, yeah, we had to, um, we had a team pull that baby out. I have no idea yardage, like how far we end up having to drag this deer, but I had the backpack on. Jeff was hold, had his arms inside the backpack through the back and he had the deer then strapped to him like we had one of the harnesses so he could have it strapped to his back and we are dragging this up a ditch across this guy's yard down another ditch up another ditch onto far, onto somebody's farm property that they said yes you guys can leave entrails here and I'm guessing it's so they could shoot coyotes but he's they said it was fine that we could do everything on their property and i have never felt the burn so bad in my life and i was an athletic person in high school if they would make that part of like your training <laughs> for like football softball like that is legit training right there yeah, dragging that's the, the dead body that's an army thing they drag the the dummy whatever or ex-spouse or you know for, <laughs> yeah. former best friend whatever whatever you know. it might be yeah. Yeah, there's that. So, um, yeah, then Kayla, Christmas Day, we went out 
and she shot a we thought it was a doe it turned out to be a button buck which is fine the property okay. we hunt is owned by a friend of mine uh army buddy that's a farmer and he literally wants he's like shoot everything because they eat his crops and you know that's the farmer attitude which we appreciate because he lets us do whatever we want on the property as far as deer management so we okay. can working it to you know grow bigger bucks and the neighbors that we know are on the same you know same page as that so we you know control the doe population as best we can and you know we're trying to get the bucks to grow bigger and you know once in a while you can't tell button bucks you know late in the season when their hair's long mm -hmm. she couldn't see it it was you know the last 20 minutes of shooting light so it's dark and you know it happens i mean i've i've shot them on purpose too just to get that monkey off my back you know okay so yeah but yeah so that was nice having her second deer for the year and we still ate a bunch of tags but you know we overall not our worst year not our best year but she's got a buck on the wall our freezer's full the kids are eating um yeah so that's it was good and then our newest adventure besides the shop and the dust off project and her being a full-time teacher and me working full-time we took on coaching starting a nasp archery in the schools program at i saw our, that yeah we got our, our school shirts and such yeah so nice shirts that we sell to our friends and uh yeah so it's pretty neat adventure starting off we were thinking we'd have like 50 kids we ended up with almost 80. wow that's you know, really when impressive when we were comparing you know how many we thought we were going to get to the other local schools that have started up in the last five to ten years um so basically doubled their numbers from you know in similar size school districts so i don't know how that came about but um yeah we took that on a little bit late start this year but it was you know either we're going to do it now or we're going to put it off for another year and we decided just to jump on it do it now this year um amazing support from our community um the school administration the other school teachers there um everybody's had great things to say about it and we about had kids qualify for state we were just short on the number of shoots i think if we would have been able to get a couple more in we would have had several that scored high enough to make it to state this year um, but it was really cool just watching the growth from a bunch of kids that basically had never shot like our fifth grade kids they do like a day camp thing for school where they mm -hmm. you know basic here shoot five arrows and that's it so we had a handful of those kids that had done it you know through the years and but yeah basically 76 kids that had never shot a bow ever before really with you know exception of our kids and a couple other ones but yeah, it was pretty cool just to see their growth and their confidence grow over the short season we had and everybody's fired up to start again next year because we're about wrapped up for the year now and yeah kind of fun different definitely different teaching a bunch of kids how to shoot uh -huh. uh, friendships going and uh just very diverse group of kids but they all get along very well sometimes too well overly friendly and don't want to stop talking and pay attention to what we're doing but yeah it's been super rewarding and just watching the growth in a year is cool and i can't wait to see where the rest of this is going to go um, i got you the next several years so when you started doing this project what did you what motivated you to to take on that many kids well, we didn't know we were going to have that many kids. Um, Tyson and I went back and forth on it. If we really wanted to do it, I mean, we don't have a lot of free time. I mean, you know our busy life. But 
with archery, what we think is so great, it can include everyone. It can include the kids who are in wheelchairs. It can include the popular basketball stars. It can include anyone. And you don't have to be part of any social group to do archery. And also, a kind of since I've been shooting, our shop thing is to get more females into archery. So we thought, what's better than to get kids into archery? So we we uh, been working with the school district probably a year, two years now, and then we finally got the okay to go ahead and move on with the archery program. So we wanted to get kids more involved. We wanted to get females more involved, and with our with our group, we're probably really close to 50 50 that's awesome yeah and so this this took a lot of negotiating with the school to be able to get to where you're at today yeah i wouldn't i don't know necessarily negotiations just they wanted a plan of like you know who's gonna fund it so we started private fundraising basically so the school wasn't footing the bill um we finally got to the point they built a new school building in our town for the high school and middle school so that cleared up some space and then in that new building originally was an athletic center like town use and school before they added on the rest of the high school but they put a new wrestling room in in the new building so we got to take over the old wrestling room which works perfectly because nobody else uses this space the lengths the distances and the amount of room we have in there is pretty much exactly what we need for the groups that we get in because we shoot by grade level basically for practice. Um, So we had space available, nobody else was using it. We could block it off on evenings, whatever we wanted that worked with, you know, and so we could kind of coordinate with other school activity schedules for other sports activities. Um, So yeah, we got, you know, kids that play basketball and wrestlers and, you know, we were able to get them worked into our, and into our practice times for archery and, just being a little bit flexible on our end, a little bit flexible on the school end. We worked it all out and we had some great support from people making donations that wanted to see this thing take off. And it's, it's pretty awesome. Like Kayla saying, like just to get kids involved and we were, I was actually surprised by the number of girls that want to do it. And they're trying to recruit their friends, uh, more girls to do it. And they're like, yeah, you know, when we, we have a special needs kid that, we help her shoot basically, but like, she's just a firecracker, just makes everybody smile. Um, great kid to have, you know, we have the ADHD kids. We have, you know, the perfect straight A student kids. We have like the best mix, you know, like she said, from socioeconomic standpoints and whatever minority wise or whatever you want to classify kids as, Yeah, you know? So yeah it's pretty neat just to see and they all get along really really well it's weird like there's not the clicky groups at all it's like you're yelling at one kid on one end of the line to stop yelling at his friend that you know new friend at the other end of the line and the the dance (laughs) i don't know what it is with kids like tiktok maybe but they're like constantly dancing okay it's like high school musical but in real life like yeah like hey like so much dancing like i don't know where this comes from like i don't remember doing that when i was like they're literally standing waiting to shoot like busting a move like you guys need to stop doing that and then as soon as they stop dancing they start talking i'm like what's the lesser of two evils here let them dance so they're not talking so much or let them talk so they're not dancing so much and there's no middle ground it's one or the other yeah so yeah it's it's great like 
Oh, Footloose. Footloose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. But like John Lifkow. But yeah, like coaches are. We have a good mix of coaches, and like there's a coach for every kid's personality style. I guess the best way, like some respond well to being yelled at, some bust down and cry when you yell at them. So we, yeah, you know, kids are kids, and yeah, coaches yeah. are coaches. So, but yeah, it's it's fun. We have so much fun with them, and I'm I'm already looking forward to taking six months off before we start again next year <laughs> but yeah it's it's great so lots of fun and i highly recommend if you kids can get into a nas program or s3da definitely you know at least introduce it to them and let them take it from there so it's it's a good worthwhile program just a quick thing so this year during one of our practices a lot of the kids were getting inside their head because they weren't hitting the 10 point so me being the coach, I pulled out my story of me missing my dough and it actually sunk in and they're like, okay, we don't have to be perfect all the time. So it kind of worked out to my advantage, even though I still don't like the experience. It helped me become a better coach this year. Oh, I believe I've, I've had a, I had a dough broadside here in 2020, 2021 broadside. I thought she was at one. I thought she was at thirty yards. She was at twenty-five yards. And Meyer goes right up over the top, and it, it just sailed. It just it just launched. I found it. Uh, well, I wait until it got dark outside. But luckily, I, the light did knock on. I was. I don't know. I was gonna find that thing. It was even fucking lost. It's like this is gonna go to this. This is gonna go to the field. And yeah, I was clearly missing it. But the worst part was, is like my truck was eighty yards away with my range finder, and it's like this is where practicing your 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 ranges is where it comes into play because it's like all i can say is i'm glad it was a clean miss yeah i mean i think a lot of them got really into their heads this year about having to be perfect and we told them we didn't care about scores this year just try your best have fun and so yeah and like i guess kids are always seeking parental approval like the amount of kids that were just they'd shoot and practice great and as soon as their parents were signing them in a stand like they'd just fall to pieces and like, oh. but you'd watch them and they'd be like looking over their shoulder, like trying to get that parental approval, you know? And finally I told the parent, like we sent out a Facebook message to our parents group. I'm like, this is going to be a hard pill to swallow, but you're not their coaches. I'm like, you may or may not shoot a bow, but like this, you know, it's finger shooting. It's traditional style archery, basically. Okay. Like this is a whole, like even the coaches that some of us that have been shooting for years, like this isn't familiar to us at all mm -hmm. like hard pill to swallow but you are not a coach do not be coaching your kids from the stand because what's going through their head and the pressure that they're feeling already because they're nervous the coaches were all nervous like first shoot every single coach is like man i'm nervous and we just have to stand here and like applaud our kids and, and encourage them and like we were all nervous wrecks and these kids were like shaking one of our one of my favorite girls she's awesome hilarious Super, super quiet, but like we, uh, she's just, I don't even know how to describe her, but like she broke down crying before we even started. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm just really nervous. I don't know what to do. I'm like, it's just like practice, you know, you know, like there's people watching. We watch you guys at practice. It's no different, you know, and she kind of did the, you know, suck it up thing. And she went out and she shot great. You know, and the kids that we thought were going to be great because they shoot great in practice, they look at their parents and they just broke down. And the kids that are in practice are like, man, this this kid's lost in the sauce. And like, he's going to hurt somebody or she's going to hurt somebody. <laughs> and they're shooting like 
the best scores you know it's like complete role reversals and it's just how well they respond to pressure or not or just that little like hey you're doing great here's my little two second pep top of like you know what to do it's just like practice and then like the light switch goes off and they're like i got it so yeah it's it's yeah it's wild so alberts do you guys have are your kids involved with this uh they will be but they shoot archery you know like uh our eight-year-old has an experience uh from expedition and like i'll help her draw it still because it's still just a little heavy for her uh but she shoots it um we actually got a genesis a couple weeks ago they haven't played with it uh much but yeah it's uh it's in the future unfortunately the school that our kids go to does not have an archery club um, We're only starting to... one. So, uh, but we can go to, there's a lot of outlying schools that have them, and, and you're allowed to go and, and go shoot for that school if your school doesn't offer one here. So, yeah, that's what it was. It was not perfect. So, I'll start that whole that. story <laughs> over because all they heard was more, 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 more. Yeah, so our girls shoot, but they. Um, not in the NASP yet. Uh, you know, they shoot an ex- expedition experience, and I help our oldest shoot it. Uh, our youngest likes to go and shoot her toy bow that is like a bow, but not a bow. Um, you know, she's six, so we'll get her there. Uh, and now that we have the Genesis, they'll all be able to shoot uh, the bows. And, you know, they like to watch me shoot, even though I don't shoot very much. Usually when we all go, it's everybody else shooting. I gotcha. I would say it's a family affair when we go to the archery range, but Travis is right. It's usually um, him trying to keep the rest of us in line and making sure arrows are hitting the target versus anything else and teaching us all of his ways versus anything else. But um, I would say it's become a family event uh, where the girls just appreciate being a part of it and they love that it's a sport that they can get into as they become stronger, but they also appreciate the I mean the discipline it takes behind it is you can't just like grab and go they really appreciate the lessons that we teach of like stand this way look this way you got to think about all of these things involved with it it's not just like a get out there and figure it out it's a little bit more strategic and I think that they enjoy that because it's us talking to them and not just saying do it this way do it that way it's how does this feel feel how this like feel it this way or look at how I'm holding it now you hold it. And so it's a lot of interactive family time, um, which is fun for us girls. I'm not sure Travis enjoys it as much as we do, but um, usually by the time it's his turn to shoot, we're all like, okay, we have about 10 bug bites and we're hungry and ready to go get a snack. So yeah, I get like five minutes <laughs> for, for your practice. Yeah, about it. yeah. I, I mean, that. I go by myself and I don't you know, bring them. So I get my own. That that just helps those high pressure situations. And I got five minutes to shoot, and we gotta go. Yeah. So yep. Yep. right, yeah. And then like as far as pressure, you know, you were talking about that with the kids and stuff. Like when Kenna, our oldest, shoots, uh, like I'm in her face because I gotta help her pull it back. So like there's no like worry about if somebody's watching her already because oh, I'm you know six inches from her, you know, holding it back, you know, helping her there, and uh, she doesn't get nervous, but she she shoots really well for just getting it into Bring there the mic a little bit closer a little bit closer is that better 
Yeah, you're, you're talking like me and waving it around. Sorry, I'm, 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 trying, I'm, I, trying, to, I'm trying to find a, a happy meeting. Um, but way. yeah, so it's it's a great time as a family, you know, and like we've been taking them, you know, to the woods, into the deer woods since they were five was when we started. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, they can't hunt, but they go and sit. So they've learned the hard part before I personally opinion is the easy part. Like they've learned to sit there and not move and enjoy what you're doing, not just harvesting. Like you're just out there to be out there and uh, enjoying nature, you know, and all that it has. Or texting your friends and while us guys sleep, they're chit chatting. You know what? Julie is probably one of the best people to talk to when you're up in a tree stand because she experiences everything I feel. While you two are sleeping, <laughs> amen, amen to that. <laughs> so this, this one I want to go into my next one. So when did when did you two start hunting? Then it doesn't matter who was first. Well, do you I started to... obviously as a little kid. You know, bird hunting. You know, walking with a BB gun with my dad and my grandpa at the family farm. Um, you know, progressing into you know turkey hunting. You know, that's my first tag I can remember buying was you know a turkey tag. But that was when you had to mail it in to buy an Iowa turkey tag. And like, you didn't know what season you were going to get, you know, you had to pick two, you know, and you were going to get one of them maybe, you know, okay. uh, that was like Christmas day, you know, like when you apply other States and you get a tag, like it was in your state though. Um, and then progressing into deer, you know, shotgun hunting, you know, this first doe I ever shot was, it was a shotgun, you know, I mean, that's (laughs) most of us as ours experiences. You shoot a doe during shotgun season. Um, and that's, that's what you do. And, progressed into buying bows and shooting bows and learning all that that entails um, and just enjoying it, you know, from a little, little kid to now and watching my kids starting to, to really want to go or this is what I want to do. I don't want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to watch. Do you have so. any fun stories from when you were a kid, like from whether you're shooting squirrels or a rabbit or a deer? You want to think about that for just a second? I, so I just learned something new. Like, I didn't hunt turkeys until, we'll say recently. I never knew that whole applying through the mail thing was a thing. Like, nice. No idea. <laughs> like, I grew up upland pheasants yes. stuff up in north central Iowa, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really, I shot bows, like we've, we've talked about this, but I didn't really hunt you know, deer until 2007. And my first was shotgun hunting a doe and I absolutely hated it. That's another funny, we'll tell that story some other time, but like, <laughs> yeah, nice information. I had no idea. Yeah. You know, it was just weird. And like the tags came in the mail, you didn't go pick them up at the store. It was just different, you know? And like, I missed that parts of the old stuff. Like I wish we could still do some of that. I guess it's obviously it's super convenient to run to Tyson's or wherever and buy a tag, like obviously. Uh, but as far as like a really good like story, I don't know if they're like anything super crazy, but I always had like I learned to shoot fast with a with pheasants, for example, because I went with my dad and my grandpa. Well, they didn't take it easy on me. Like I would draw up and they'd already have shot the bird. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. So like, like I learned to shoot really fast. Now go pick it up for them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I learned to shoot fast and like I hadn't hunted with a lot of people other than like my grandpa and my dad for pheasants. And I remember the first time I went with your brother. Yeah. And like, you know, I've only been a couple of times with him, but it was like, bang. And he's like, what? Like, I because I was so used to having to like race them to shoot the bird. 
right? And so, like, I never realized how quickly I can draw and be on a bird until that moment. Like, I just thought it was normal. Like, it wasn't like a, a skill or anything. And I shoot an old gun. I shoot a sweet 16 Belgian. Um, Browning, you know, 75. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, it's old and everybody's like, that's an old gun. You know, and I'm like, oh, but I'll never trade it for anything. Yeah. You know, so um, there's that. I mean, you know, shooting a deer. Archery was with my stepdad. Um, you know, that was where that began. Uh, you know, it's tough for me to talk about now because um, he passed away you know, two and a half years ago now. Um, and but he started me in it. Um, I remember shooting my first R100 when it was at Hitaga, um, not up in West Union. Central City. Yeah, yeah that's and where it I was started a dust too. Bowl. Um, wet. It was either wet or just super dry and dusty. Gross, there was no yeah. in between. There's never a comfortable day there. Mm-mm, no. And um, I used to shoot in the backyard every day when I got home. Nonstop from the time I was probably 12. And I, you know. All the way through high school in the backyard every day, I'd shoot rabbits because my mom hated the rabbits eating all of her garden. So I would shoot rabbits with my bow in the backyard, like just picking them off, you know, um, you know, great target practice, it obviously. Is. It really is because it's a you very know. small target. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Or did you use a field point or a broadhead on these? Well, so I would use field points most of the time. But like if I was playing with like a new broadhead, like I would throw one on there. But you soon learn that they're expensive and... <laughs> It's completely unnecessary because it cuts them clean in half. It doesn't just, you know, put a hole through them like it literally chops them in half. Um, but mostly field points. And unfortunately, like with most of those critters, even if you put a good shot on them, they're still going to be alive and flailing and, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, making racket, especially rabbits. Yeah. The, uh, the squeal, that's the worst. That squeal, that squeal just gets you every time when you hear it sound. It sounds like a little kid. Yep. Yeah, it sounds like a baby screaming. It's so weird. It can freak you out the first time you hear it. That's why I was like, when I went rabbit hunt, I was just a 410, like two and, a, two and three eight shells and stuff mm-hmm. like just because I knew it's, I was like, I could just be one and done. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I got into archery, and then it progressed into a lot of things. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get on staff with Expedition, and that's where I met the Trunk Hills. Uh, oh, so you guys, this is a fairly new relationship? Yeah. Yes. We bromance Bro, oh, a new bromance. I mean, we've talked okay. about this i'm okay. surprised we didn't cross earlier because you know tyson worked with yeah with so my brother i brother. worked with her brother at our local box store whatever it's shields we love the place still i have no hard feelings and i i left for an army deployment so that's why i was no longer employed there but um yeah so that's where i met her brother craig and we were friends and still are um but yeah then in however this works out travis and i ended up on expedition staff together and she i was like facebook stalking somebody i was like how do you know craig oh that's my brother i'm like well i know your dad too because he runs helps the d he worked for the dnr and does the r100s where they're at now up by west union and he's the nice dnr gentleman that helps you get on the tractor ride to go up the hill that's my dad yeah so it's like you know and it's it's one of those things where it's just the small world you know your your friend circles overlap with other friend circles and then you're all sudden together at some place at the same time like hey i know you and how do you know them and like your french fry people last night 
yeah, like, yeah. I the met... craziest story. But I'll let you tell it. But yeah, it's like it I went wild. and got French fries last night at the concession stand. Line was okay. super long. I'm standing there waiting for fries, watching people get chicken strips and fries, burgers and fries. I'm like, I'm just waiting for fries. I'm just waiting for fries. And I say something. 20 minutes goes by, nothing. I say something again. The kid's like, yep. And doesn't say anything in the kitchen. And these people are standing there this whole time waiting for French fries too. Just French fries. <laughs> Finally, the, the wife, I assume it's his wife, maybe fiance, um, yeah. walks up to the counter and goes, there's four people waiting for fries over here. You know, and we were joking about it. And I finally get some fries and walk away and just, you know, thought they were just nice people. And, you know, somebody I saw at the, the classic, <laughs> we go to the restaurant last night and they're sitting there waiting for a table. <laughs> and I'm like, like, oh, hey. And I'm like, hey, you guys waiting for French fries? It was really humorous. Um, and, you know, and we're waiting and then Austin. Yeah. And so walk in, you know, you know, Amanda, anyway, Austin hasn't been on yet. But so Austin, and Amanda and Derek and Brooke. So Austin and Derek work in the shop for me part time, help out whenever we're not around or whatever. But they walked in and I was like, I I remember the conversation they're having about French fries. I'm like, how do you know those people? Oh, I just met him in line and he told us the same story. And then they walk in and Austin's like, oh, hey, what's going on? Like talking to these same people. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and so then finally, like they're chit chatting and I was talking, ran into an army buddy of mine that I was deployed with. I've seen him like six times this weekend. Now we just keep crossing paths down here. Uh-huh. So we're standing there talking about stuff and they're all talking and we go sit at the table. I'm like, Austin, how'd you know those people, the French fry friends? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that younger couple that was sitting on the bench when you walked in, you start talking to me. He's like, oh, that's Brian and Shelby or whatever. And Derek's like, oh, yeah, we've known them for years. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, we're in another dimension right now. Like, they're like, yeah, they're they're friends of ours. We've known them forever. So they must grew up, you know, or live up by where we're from in that area. But I was like... Mm -hmm. I don't know what is happening tonight. It's just crazy. It's Iowa, man. It's just how yes, it all is. I mean, I, yes. we, I sat there and I strike up a conversation with people from Sandusky or from Ohio. And then I met, talked to one guy from Iowa. We were at, over here at um, the tap room there. And we're just sitting there just BSing. And I started talking to him. It's like, and they, they mentioned they're from Ohio. It's like, how you guys the water over there? You know, because I've been reading up on the dioxins and stuff. And it's very toxic stuff because once the dioxins get into a person's system, it actually starts breaking down your DNA. At the cellular level, and then it just escalates from there. The worst part is, is that's that the Ohio River will eventually come into the Mississippi River, and that's going to get down to the Gulf War, Gulf, uh, uh, Gulf, Gulf Mexico there, and it's just going to destroy the entire ecosystem. And, and the Cincinnati, or Cleveland has now shut off all access to the to the Ohio River because it's eventually going to get in the water system there. So it's just going to be a horrible escalation for it. And I was telling them about the AAR. It's, that's the I can't remember the name of the, but it's the acronym for the lobbying group for the railroads, railroads, uh, rural companies for BNSF and Norfolk Southern and all these other big companies. They're on the process of trying to get themselves to establish immunity. So this way, when shit goes wrong, they're not held, they will not be held liable for it. Similar with with, the, with Big Pharma and the Safeties Act of '86, they've been able to be abstained from any legal action. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely disgusting. Sad. Now, um. Okay, you want uh, me to share mine? Well, I was going to yeah, talk about like you know how it's a small world. Yeah. I was talking to Jeremy Crutchfield from Hunt Shack, and I've been following his stuff for a long period of time. And he's he has he's a has a restaurant down in Georgia. He's got a beautiful line of spices. Like I I bought a good selection of them today, so this way that I'm gonna do my when I do my cooking stuff, 
when I'll be displaying his stuff because he's got it's like I got a chance to taste all of them. Just absolutely delicious. He has this venison ham that just it's just out of this world. Absolutely delicious. So if you guys happen to see him just walking by his thing, try the venison ham. You will you will it, yeah. it's delicious. Absolutely just gorgeous stuff. Love ham. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I love ham. venison. Yeah. yeah. So um, Julie, why don't you why don't you explain your your history, your love of of the my love of the outdoors. Yeah. Um, okay, so I um, grew up in small town Iowa. My dad um, worked for the Iowa DNR just short of 40 years. Uh, he's retired now, but so I would say my love for outdoors was in my blood. Um, I grew up small town, just loving being there. I have an older brother, which we are a very small age gap between us. So when we both wanted to get into hunting, of course, him being the older sibling, um, I have I have three siblings, but um, him and I were the most interested in hunting um, at the same time. And of course, my little sister was too. But um, so he got to go first youth season and, and got into it. So the following year, I wanted to go too, which obviously, you know, put my dad in a predicament um, <laughs> to take to take both of us. So fortunately, we had a really great um, family who had a hunting cabin um, right next door to us out in the country. And so he volunteered saying like, hey, I'll, I'll take Julie, you take... Um, your son and you know we'll just go out together and so my first experience hunting was shotgun season um I guess deer hunting shotgun season and um that elderly gentleman became kind of like my mentor um he took me to the races with him he took me out hunting with him and we just grew a really really great bond um so I hunted with him and that's where I first started the only thing I had harvested as a child was a squirrel um, so I went squirrel hunting and I got a squirrel. So, uh, unfortunately, she's good. Good. All right. Oh, lemons. Oh, Jesus. So yeah, well, good thing we have a medic. We good. got a medic. We're good. Yeah. Combat lifesaver. It's, it's completely different. I can give you an IV and throw some dirt on you or something. Other than that, you're on your own. Yeah. You're fine. Oh, so unfortunately, I, I ended up stopping hunting when I was in my teens just because um, this mentor um, that I had uh, passed away from cancer. And so I kind of just was like, this, this is not for me anymore. I kind of want to get away from it. It brought up really tough feelings. And I was like, well, maybe I just I enjoy being outdoors, but maybe hunting is just not for me. Um, so I went away from it for several years um, until I met Travis. I'd say at least 15. Yeah. It was, it was hard to go back to it. I mean, I, I loved, you know, cheering on my brother and my little sister and they got big into archery hunting and with my dad's support and I always loved to follow them. But me getting back into it personally was, was something I was like, mm, you know, I'm all for it. I love the harvest. I love the meat. I love the food. I love everything that goes along with it, but I just couldn't bring myself to go and do it again. Um, just because that was something that we cherished and shared together. So when Travis and I started dating and stuff, he's like, you got to come with me. You got to come with me. And I was like, yeah, that's your thing. I'll be the supportive spouse. Like, it's all good. Um, until we got married and um, he bought me my first vertical bow and I got it for Christmas and we weren't supposed to do Christmas gifts. So. Yeah, that was, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do the same so, thing. It's like you're getting Christmas yeah, gifts. Yeah, so he, he hands me this this great vertical pink bow and yeah, it was black and pink black and pink my favorite color i like how she says the support of spouse but then she says and then we got married and like she didn't have this planned out already <laughs> yeah well there's a few things in between there um but yeah so he got me a vertical ball i was like all right i'll give it a try like um we had two kiddos and i knew that 
they would both want to at least attempt to to hunt um, just out of, you know, our love for the outdoors. And I didn't want to be in a situation where one got to go and the other didn't because there wasn't a, a parental individual that could go with them. So he's like, come on, let's just give it a try. So the following year, um, we were going to get me all set up with this bow. And unfortunately, I had a lot of health battles and... I was like, I, I don't think I can continue to pull this back. Um, and I don't think I can I can build up the strength to do this and to, you know, have a lethal shot at a deer. And I just didn't want to put myself in that position or or the deer just because of the sport and the respect I just, have for just it. Just like the ethnicity. Like, yeah. you got to be ethical about it. And like, you just, you were never going to be 100% sure that you were going to be consistent enough yes. to do it. So. Yes. So with my medical concerns, um... I, at that point in time, I hadn't been um, fully diagnosed with what I have now, but I had a few autoimmune diseases that I was diagnosed with. And um, just with my chronic pain and everything that I had at such a young age, my doctor um, was like, I don't think this is a smart choice for you either. And so in order for me to go that fall, the only option was to turn in my vertical bow and purchase a crossbow. Um, however, in order to do that and hunt with a crossbow in the state of Iowa, um, you have to go through an application process and um, have to have a medical note. And I mean, it, it wasn't a difficult process, but there's steps. And I would say the most difficult part about it was the toll it took on my pride. Um, I had to go and be deemed medically handicapped to be able to hunt with a vertical or with a crossbow in the state of Iowa. So permanently, permanently, like, uh, the, the her. Her hunting ID card is is a permanent <laughs> pass. You can get temporary ones for certain things and other things, but okay. she's describing that that permanent ability. So like it'll it says like I think it says like twenty two fifty three on her license. Apparently like they think I'm gonna live old, to I'm you know? two hundred to need so. this license. But um, so I went through that process and and Travis is like just let's just give it a try. Let's go this season. Um, so after I got through the the mental block of everything that that involved I, I went out my first season and wow was it a trying season um I I had a crossbow that I couldn't cock back myself so when I was out in the stand I had to sit there and I had one shot one shot only and if it wasn't a success I would sit there for the next three hours until I could go back to the truck and meet Travis and go again um so we learned a lot that year um I learned a lot about clothing I learned a lot about um placement I learned a lot about myself I had a lot of time to sit and reflect um so I was like not sure this is for me but thanks for giving it do a you, whirl do you want me to describe the the instance with the binoculars and me watching you or I think that's oh, that's, that's, that's that's fine um <laughs> the, the, the first crossbow I had like I said I, I couldn't cock it back myself I didn't have the strength um with my condition and I also like didn't have the the height the leverage she did she needed just a little bit more leverage because the the draw on it as you would call it was long to get it to the cocked position yeah and she wasn't quite she's not quite tall enough even being you know five nine to to get it done um just with that specific bow um so you had shot i had shot i had missed <laughs> and she's in a, a double ladder stand um <laughs> And I'm sitting there watching her from about 150 yards because I'd watched her shoot because I, I knew it was happening. And, and I'm watching her and I'm like, what is she doing? And she's like laying there like with her crossbow because, you know, you got your foot in it and she's trying to get it. And she 
she did it like three or four times. And but every time I would almost get, I just needed like a centimeter more and I couldn't elongate my body or have the, the strength to finish the cock. And I was fully like stretched as far as I could in a stand in the air. I'm in tears. I'm frustrated. Sorry, guys. We have some, we have some, we have some teenagers. Yes, I'm a 12-year-old yes, yes. adolescent right and, now. And I'm, like, having, like, the worst time. And I text him. I was like, I can't do it. I have to stop. Like, I'm frustrated. And literally, he goes, I'm watching you. And I'm like... <laughs> See, and this is where Julie and my texting comes in handy because these two will make fun of us all day long, whereas I will support her. She can, I can be her shoulder to cry on. She can be my shoulder to cry on. And then these two are just acting like jerks and laughing at us and making fun of us and continue to make fun of us. We're laughing with you because we've all been there. Oh, I've done some real dumb things. In a well, I've stage. punched myself so many times. I'm oh. drawing back and I accidentally put my finger on the trigger. Back. Crack my lip open, man. It's like, yeah, we've all been there. Oh, well, I will tell you that was, that was like, I, I really thought I was like, I gave it a try. You got to let me, let me be now you go hunt. You can raise our girls to hunt. Like this isn't going to work for me. This was a terrible season. I tried and tried again. Um, I got really sick throughout the season just because I was pushing myself so hard. I also learned that you need quality clothing versus cost-effective clothing um, to stay warm in Iowa winters. Um, there was a lot of lessons learned. Let's just put it that way. It's great for the hunting budget. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> it, I, I'm yes. surprised you guys have a budget because ours is just like, oh, you need that? Okay, let's just get it and we'll figure out how to buy groceries next week. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly yeah. how it works. Like, if that's going to help you put a deer in the freezer so we have something to eat, we can skip groceries and chips or whatever for a week and no we'll just, skip on we'll just eat meat. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I will say that 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 is where I was like, okay, fine. He did convince me after I cooled down with my temper the following year. Um, and I got a chance. I think the thing that gave me the extra boost to try again was I got a chance to meet um, the landowner that um, has the land that we hunt down in southern Iowa where my husband has hunted since a child. And I got a chance to meet him. And I will say, like, he has filled a void for me that I have had since high school. So he has kind of become... I don't want to say you can never replace somebody, but he has filled the void of being kind of like my hunting mentor. Um, he's, he's this cute man. He's, he's short and I, he, I get him a hug every time I see him. We call each other um, throughout the week. And when he's on the road, he drives semi and we've just become like good buddies. And so okay. um, when I met him, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is like happening for a reason. Like he can fill that void. Like maybe this is right. I need to give it a try again. And so the following year, I definitely expanded the hunting budget and I said nope I need this I don't care what the price tag says I need this I need this I need this I need this um and so Travis uh did a lot to get me set up for success yeah um, that summer um I probably made more trips to our hunting ground up until this year probably yeah. uh than I ever had and I had been patterned perfectly like I don't, was it like October 10th you shot your deer? Yeah. Like, so 10 days in that next season and, you know, I'll let you tell yeah. about that. But like, I, I was like, they're going to come down this, this tree line and there's going to be two or three of them together and you just pick whichever one you want. Cause it was like clockwork and I had them down, down. Like I could, well. you would only need to go out for an hour or two, like literally perfectly patterned. And I, I mean. So here's the story. My first buck, 
Sweet. So I will say, um, so unlike Kayla, where she gets to have Tyson with her sitting in the stand, Travis has sat with me once. No, <laughs> I sat with I sat I sat with you once about every year. Once a year, he sits yeah. with me once. Um, and I think that's something I like to clarify because a lot of people. But are like, he's Wait. still watching you. But he's still watching me. Yes, Creeper. I will say like he creepishly watches me with his binoculars. Um, so he's always like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "What are you doing? Stop worrying about me. Worry about you." Um, but because of my health issues, like I guess I can't blame him. He needs to have an eye on me, and he needs to have close tabs just in case something were to happen. So. Yeah, it makes me feel better. Yeah. Uh, knowing that, like, yes, you're strapped to the tree or whatever, but like, if something were to go awry, like. I could see it, and you wouldn't be, you know, dangling there yeah, well, for that's... a while before I came to find you. Yes. So, so. Um, being able to see you is kind of important <laughs> for me. So quite the I don't know why All we're right. laughing about this, but I get to see Julie hanging there hey, like, hey, like come get me, dumbass. I'm, <laughs> I can't do anything here. So, so season two out for me, archery season. I've gotten over, you know, yep, I'm going to shoot a crossbow. This is what it's going to be. I, I had a, a difficult season. Under my belt, I knew I was going out. This is the first year we let our oldest come and sit with us too. So, um, kind of went and sat with Travis in a stand, and he he's like, "You good? You ready to go?" I was like, "I'm good. I'm I'm ready to go. I got this." I I was up in my stand, and um, of course, I'm ranging out all my different things. I was like, "If it's, if it's by this stick in the field, it's this. If it's by this stick in the field, it's this." Just because there's a lot of components, and like Kayla had shared, you know, whenever a deer comes out, you think about the twenty thousand things your husband told you to remember. And like the number one thing is breathe. And so you're like, I'm breathing, now what? Um, and so I was sitting there. Literally and I was tell like, her, don't forget to don't breathe. Don't forget and to it, breathe. It's really like five or six things, not 20,000. Oh, it's, it's a lot. And it's a, it's a lot of things happening. And I think still to this day, Travis is like, why do you have so much to think about? And I was like, there's a lot to think about. And, you know, people don't understand. You don't just go out there and go boom like you do with a shotgun, you know, with with a bow, even with my crossbow, it is completely different. You have to think about yardage. You have to think about angle. You have to think about height. You have to think about, um, you know, are they moving? Are they standing? Are they head up? Are they head down? Are they going to come closer? Do you need to wait? If you move, are they going to move? Are you going to regret this? You There's only have 20, one tag. Right there. Like there, like I could go on. And Three all more of this and we've got 20,000. <laughs> all of this goes through your head and like you have 30 seconds to digest it all and make a choice. And so... Like it, it, the men, and this is why, again, Kayla has become my support unit because she gets it. Um, but for them, they've hunted so much longer and, and it's become like a natural instinct yes. where for us, we're, we're trying to learn, absorb and learn from every mistake, um, and, and apply it the next time. And so you start to just like have this laundry list of things to think about. So Anyway, these two and deer their voices actually go through oh, your Oh, their head. voice is there. When that like, deer comes up, I hear Tyson like, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck yeah, this like, up. Yeah, like. Why did or, you shoot? Or, is, yeah. or yeah. is that or is that one on the shooting list? Or is that one to save for the next yes. year? Because you're also like, is that big enough? Or wait, is, is that going to be a boomer next year? I don't know, booner. I don't know what hey, the term now, is. Hey, now, what do I always um, say? He's like, if, it's excite, if it excites you, then shoot. And. And that's where I was like, man, Bambi excites me. See, this is um, this is the fundamental difference between men. Women are analytical about everything. Break it down to the lowest level, then build it back up. And guys are like, oh, meat, let's fucking stab that thing from 20 <laughs> yards away. Go. You let's know, go ramble well, on it. It's like, like really, and, like, and, right? Women in general overthink things sometimes. Okay, sometimes. Let's, and let's men are just about, like. 
incredibly okay. like, detailed about what they're thinking. Yes, yes. That's a good way to Very in-depth. eloquent. They're in-depth about their thoughts. Their processes and guys are like, let's just year? I don't let's know. go, let's just do this. <laughs> so anyway, back to the story. Right, and so, that's why they shoot big bucks and we don't. Like yeah. we're just like meat in the freezer, go. Strate- we're strategic. Um, so these two deer come out and they're they're two bucks. Again, I'm much like Caleb. Like I'm not gonna analyze how many how many points, what it is. I'm like, does it excite me? Yes, I'm going for it. So they came out and I was like, I'm not gonna miss the opportunity this year. And I literally, I was like, which one's bigger? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going for the second one, whether it is or not. That's, that's him. That's how I'm going to go for. So I waited and I waited for them to come down just like he told me they would. And I had to wait until they got right between. There was a tree um, that I had one shooting lane on the right side and one shooting lane on the left side. And so when they crossed over the tree, that's when I was able to pull up. And um, I was like, okay, I, he didn't see me. Neither of them did. And they came walking right around. Um, and so I was like, well, this is now or never. And I did the sound that he told me I had to practice. And I was like, do you really do that? Do you like, is that a thing? Um, and he's like, you got to stop him. And I was like, you really want me to make it? Okay. So I literally, again, his voice, my head is like, make the sound, make the sound. And I'm like, and like, and again, like kind of had like a giggle in my head of like, oh gosh. And like the pause happened and I, I shot and I was like, shaking and I was like I think I like kind of blacked out I was just like okay did this happen and of course like they ran off and instantly I'm like put the boat down grab the phone I can't like text I have all these things happening at the same time and I was like I shot a buck and I was like I think I got him there's no way I missed him like it's impossible he was right at like he was right at the 20 yard stick in the field like because again there's a lot of components to think about and he goes okay well I'll come check in a little bit breathe all I kept getting was text messages to breathe and i'm like yes, okay can i get down yes. and he's like do not get down out of the stand and i was like and breathe. oh man God, and I breathe guess. yes so the longest what hour i waited my life? I, I didn't even wait that long it i waited five minutes. 45 five minutes, minutes at most <laughs> like yeah. slowly packed my stuff up slowly lowered my bow you know like and took my time getting over there to her because like she needed to simmer <laughs> you know like i know she's excited i'm excited for her but like you know, we all have been there and like, it's absolutely like, you can't just really describe it until it happens. Like it's, and I don't simmer when Tyson's like, I'll be there in an hour. No, my adrenaline's still going. I'm sitting there like, okay, this is the longest hour of my life. Like you just need to get over here. Well, and I I do the, like, do I recock the bow? Do I not recock the bow? Are you coming? And then I was like, how's Kenna? Because this is her first time out into this. I was like, oh, we have a kid out here with us. Like, oh, geez. Um, there was a lot of things that occurred and then it was getting dark and I was like, what if we can't find it in the dark? You gotta get up here. Then there were some lessons to come. Uh, can we just go back just a little bit, though? So this is how great women, like the three that are in the room with us, and with guys like these, is do they excite you? Check. Yes. Are they big enough? Yes. And that's how we end up marrying women like these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that is, that is uh, a nutshell right there. Yes. yes. Perfectly so, said. So long story short, Travis and Kenna, um, she was five at the time, meet me up in the field, and it's getting dark, and he's like, where did you hit it? And I was like, right here. And of course, now that I'm down in the field, I'm like, wait. Right in the body. I'm not Back sure. to the picture with the finger. Yeah. And I was like, I, I think it was right here. And, and so I'm like looking from the ground to my stand. I'm like, no, it was right here. I'm pretty sure it was right here. And he's like, and where did it go into the woods? And I just looked at him like, what? I was like, what do you mean? Where did it go? I, it ran this way. And he's like, 
was it was it kicking was the tail up was the tail down was and I, I just stared at him like you don't think I shot it you don't think like all of a sudden the disbelief and he's like no these things matter and I was like why I shot the deer like I like I it was not part of the checklist I, I, that's, like, that's 2000 and yes. that's 20 that's checklist 21. number two you got to flip the page over. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 well and that's how it also is with Tyson he goes did it kick up well yeah I told you I that. kicked no, you up didn't. well and then and then two you know on top of that she's shooting a crossbow that's extremely fast and um this is also part of the learning for me because I don't have a lot of experience with it because I, I can't use a crossbow for season, you know, other than late muzzle loader here in Iowa. But it um, doesn't matter what Broadhead we're throwing through it. We don't get blood for 50 yards. It's just We know just that now two works. years later. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. It doesn't matter where the shot is, where it's not. It, it could be perfect. It could be not. It just doesn't happen for yeah. approximately 50 yards is, is about where we've, we've found um, just because of the sheer speed. Um, and how far the deer can travel before blood before yes. they they stop the um, bleed and oh, wow. so, that's that's yeah. interesting because i've experienced that with my muzzleloader shooting a deer at close yardage and farther away yeah. it bleed i don't know why maybe it slows down enough but like i've shot several deer with my muzzleloader that you know i go 30 to 50 yards or maybe almost all the way to the deer before i find any blood at all so that's Fun fact. That's crazy because well, most most muzzleloaders are fifty caliber size ball, and it's like mm-hmm. I, that's a big. I hole. shoot a forty five with a sabot around it, so it's a forty fifty caliber with a forty five caliber bullet and a fifty caliber sabot to fill yeah. the space. But yeah, like yeah, that's wild. Well, that's and I think that was yards. Oh, that, that's a mind fuck. Because like, well, if I was near, she was like, did I miss it? Did 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 it go over it? Well, yeah, and I like legit like, was I've being like, there the is no yeah. way I missed this deer, and I kept saying it to him. And as as our child is watching, my husband and I like have it out in the We're field. We're bickering in the, in the field. Yeah, what and it, he keeps saying, you "Lower the, your well, voice." Did you hear it whack it? Like well, the sound? And he goes, "What's the sound?" And I was like, "I hit the deer." And I finally said, "I'm not saying it again. I have hit the deer. I don't know where it's at, but I hit the deer." And he's just like, "Okay," and I'm like. All right, so here we are with flashlights. We're going all over this field. I'm like, I went into the, f- the, the tree line over here, and he's just like, Julie. And, and, and so all of a sudden, I notice he's just kind of like keeping our kid warm at this point, and he's not even looking for blood anymore. He's just waiting for me to come around saying, we got to go in. Because it's, it's black. It's, like, it's pitch black mm-hmm. out. We can't find anything. Like, we can't find my arrow. That's another thing with, with, a, with my crossbow. I have found my arrow once. Um, and all the deer I have harvested up to this point, I've only found my arrow once. Um, we'll get to why. Here. Yeah, we'll get to okay. why here, okay. but that's a whole nother journey. But, um, we went in for the night and my, my youngest, like she can, her side of the story is so cute to listen to because she is like, wow, mom was mad. I was, I was crying. I was, I was mad at me. I was mad at Travis. I was mad at the deer. I was mad at the world. And, and literally he's like, are you going to eat dinner? I was like, no, I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. Like I'm done with this. I'm I'm mad because like you don't believe that I hit it. He's like, no, I believe you did. And I was like, no, you no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it became a like a really interesting growing moment for us as a couple of like, yes. okay, like you weren't there, but like you know what you know what I need to be looking for, but I don't know that. And so the next morning I was like, I will go out and my daughter, thank God for her. She goes, So there was no ar- arsenic in the coffee? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. I survived the <laughs> night. <laughs> we got out there in the morning and he took off Let to his Let me show stand. you how it doesn't bleed until you run 50 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yards. 
<laughs> so my, my daughter and I walked out to a different stand the next morning and I, it was the first time with her sitting with me and I was just excited to be like, you know, last night sucked, um, but like, let's go enjoy this together. And we sat in on what we call a half stand as, yes. as we name all yes. our stands and it's the most beautiful sunrise. It's the best position. It's the warmest stand because the sun just like beams you it instantly. It faces a little southeast and it, it's we beautiful. call it a half stand because it's a, it's a 16 foot ladder that I actually had to take the bottom section off of because the way the tree and the hill work that it just it's it's low but it's perfect. perfect like so we sat there that morning um she fell asleep of course we're both harnessed in but she fell asleep on my arm to the right i'm watching the sunrise i'm like you know everything happens for a reason this is fine let's just enjoy it and all of a sudden i kind of hear a little a little grunting and i was like well that's weird and i was like hmm okay weird and right in front of me um I, I see a buck coming up the hill, like right at me. And I was like, okay, so I'm trying to position myself. And all of a sudden, Kenna snores right next to me. And the buck stops and looks up. And I was like, mm, and she kind of like is doing that. Like I'm waking up and she's like, mom. And I'm like, oh my God. And, and she's like, she's like, what? And I was like, there's a buck. And she's like, what? And I'm like, oh, game over. And the buck turns around and runs off. And she's just like, looks at me. And as, as much as I want to be upset with her, I was like, good morning. And, and she's like, I'm really hungry. And I was like, yeah, me too. And she's like, can we go get pancakes now? And I was like, you're right, girl. Let, let's go get pancakes. I'm done. Let's get down. I'm pretty sure she goes, can we have Misty's? Yes. Yes. So it's our favorite place to so eat. So is this the day? So I'm, I'm it's the day the next after. Morning. It's the next, next morning. morning. Okay. Yep. So we crawl down from the stand. I text him. I was like, we're going in. Let's go get breakfast. I'm in a better mood. Let's, let's move on. I watch the sunrise. I'm a little bit more zen. I'm tolerable. I, I won't eat you now. Like, let's let's go in and have a conversation. And, As I, we're, and I tell you to, like, I text you back. I was like, cool, whatever. And I go, make sure you watch the woods. And I was like, whatever. At this point, I was like, he still, again, doesn't believe I've hit this deer and so we're walking out and as we walk out we walk by the other stand and the tree line where the deer had went and so as we're walking i'm holding my daughter's hand we're marching out we're doing our thing i'm looking in the woods where that deer was coming out and was grunting and i looked down into the woods and i was like there's no way and and i go kenna and she's like what and i go look down there what do you see and she goes what's that white thing and i was like oh my god down in the ravine was the belly up buck that i shot the night before oh. right down there right down there where the other deer was coming up so it must have been grunting at the dead buck that was laying down there yeah. and i literally was like there is no way and she's like mom she goes oh my god that's your deer and i was like she's like you did shoot it and i was like Yes, girl. Damn straight. I did. And I instantly grabbed my phone. And I started texting. I was like, get up here. Get up here now. Like, I did hit it. Um, like, and he's just like, okay, I'm coming. I'm going to undress. And I was like, oh, like, it's dead. You better get up here quick because I'm not going to hold myself together. So we were able to go down and it was just great to have her there with me to see like the resilience you have to have. And like, we we looked and right into the woods was where the blood trail started, which was about fifty yeah, yards there, out. There there was on the field edge, I'm I'm gonna say about the size of a dime. And that drop, was it. And that was it. And and that was at fifty yards from initial shot. So like in the dark, it would have never happened. I was not gonna find that no. drop. But like, you know, I could have probably combed that entire ravine and all the things, but 
it's dark and it's steep and I'm not going to go tumbling down the hill. Yeah. And, it's, it's, so. and if you don't have a blue light, it's not going to spurn. Because that's no. one of, I found it's like, yep. if, you have a, if you have a blue light, that, that makes that blood just pop. Yes. Yeah. And I found out in Wisconsin that if you're, on, if you're out retrieving a deer, it's a gray area, by the way. So it's like, you, I recommend if, you, if anybody listening is in Wisconsin, text your DNR agent or if you have somebody relationship with, let them know. It's like, hey, we're going to go track a down deer. We're going to use thermals to find it. Out of caution, we I shot a deer last year or in October. That's what we use. So it's like he, my buddy's calling up the DNR because it's like he's they pass some new laws, but it's very gray. They do it on purpose, which is absolutely disgusting. And he found out that he, the next day, okay. got a phone call from the DNR agent that's like, "Hey, you can use this. It's like, and, and you can use it to track down a deer." It's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this would be fantastic to find blood trail." Yeah, and, yeah. And it's like so. So we all kind of came to agree. And so like, if you're going to Use this to track down your air. A, talk to DDR, text him, call him, whatever, and then B, put all your weapons away. Yeah, yes. that's what you're yep. also you're doing yep. for it. And I thought that's that's actually pretty cool to be able to do that. But there's there's also a fine line between night vision and thermals in in, yeah. in Wisconsin too. So it's it's weird all over the place. It's it's super weird. And I think like that's where again this being like my first experience, I was like, why do people ever shoot deer at night? Like, <laughs> why would you ever do that? And I was like, then you have to wait till the next morning. Um, but I think that's, that's, what's so cool about the story is like, it, it was a nine point. It was a great, like phenomenal I mean, first, deer, first deer, phenomenal deer. Um, the fact that my, my kiddo was with me Did to like shoot find it, it in 2022 or so that was 2019. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that was 2019. Um, so it was 2020, 2020. it was 2020. Sorry. It was yeah. 2020 because we, we joked about calling it. Um, derecho because that was also the year we had the derecho, the inland hurricane that destroyed our house. Yes. And, um, so I will say that that first deer um, experience was where my health really started to decline, actually. Um, so I harvested that first deer, and then um, Travis also had a very eventful season, um, which I'll yes. let him share that story here in a second. But that is where my health issues like went super south and it was the following um, January I shot it in October it was the following January that I was actually diagnosed with Lyme disease and um, six other co-infections so um, it, it's just really interesting and maybe that's a story for another day but like the place that brings me the most zen and that I've learned the most about myself and feel the most me is also the place that like made me the most crippled um and has actually taken away a lot of my life so it's it's a very like controversial like hot topic for me but i think it's also happening for a reason and like i just like to share that part of the story to be able to help others become aware of like what that could be but Mm -hmm. i will say that that first buck harvest um first deer harvest first buck harvest first like real trophy for me um like spearheaded and kicked off like me getting my final diagnosis and also being able to like continue with my hunting journey. So I got you. Mm-hmm. If you're, are you familiar with the Michaela Peterson? That's Dr. Jordan Peterson's daughter. Not the full story. No, but she's, she's been plagued all from, from, from when she was real, real young to, to now she's had multiple hip replacements, hip oh, replacements before. Oof. And she's younger than all of us are. And she's uh, had ankle replacements, like complete runs. But she had autoimmune disease too as well. But mm-hmm. she went on straight up carnivore diet, and that changed everything because she got tired of being medicated and not actually having anything because all the docs were lying to her. Yep. They were like they didn't know what was going on. So it's like we're just going to give you all these pills. Yeah. Like, the way she 
worked her diet and started removing things and figuring out different things to go through it, like how removing gluten and removing yep. all the stuff. And it's like now she just eats steak and and lamb and she she's she calls the lion uh, diet, but her and her dad both do it and they are feeling energetic. They eat a lot. They feel better. They lose a lot. You lose a lot of weight naturally because the our yep. body just works really well with it. So when they, when you listen to people talk about shaming meat eaters or meat in itself it's like i think that's all a bunch of bs because it's like no there's there's a there's thousands of diet books out there and, and everybody's going to have a different take on how it's going to best work for you yeah. but it seems like that seems to be the most effective way have you ever you should maybe listen to her yeah story and find out how it works i'll your have life. to because i i am gluten-free and i would i would say venison is like <laughs> that's also where this is all kind of it all comes together is like it's the thing that makes me feel the best i crave just meat and if i um just eat like ground venison um, not no joke uh like literally no when i'm feeling my worst i'll be like i need you to go ground a pound of venison and literally i will sit at, at yep. the couch and just pound a ground i'll of... basically make like a made right you know like no sauce yes. but like seasoned ground beef and, and just put it in the, the fridge for like that she'll get these That's... weird cravings <laughs> and yes so 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 also that's where I'm like I can't give up on on hunting because we we need that like that's gonna be our new life. Our friend David Wooten has a yeah, kid that yeah. can only eat red meat stuff too, and that's mm-hmm. an autoimmune thing. And, and yep. you know him fairly yeah, well, yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's same type of thing. Like it's not a joking matter, but it's funny that like that friend circle has overlapping other you know friends that have the same issues or related mm-hmm. at least relatable issues, and it's. Like, that's why that was, I mean, from listening to his story and knowing what I know about him, that was one of his sole reasons for hunting as much as he does too, is they can't, they can't even buy store like farm-raised animal because of the, the byproduct, not the byproduct. The hormones. The hormones and, and the antibiotics. And stuff. Yeah. So they have mm-hmm. to eat wild game, you know, because it's all natural, you know. I don't know if you guys know this, but the, we were talking about this last night with the tactical um, outdoor pursuit approach, and we were talking about like that. This is I don't remember what magazine it was Peterson's bow hunting or uh, one of the one of the magazines were already talking about like how the CDC and the DNR have actually started been injecting the, our venison or whitetails with mRNA vaccine. So it's like they're making sure that this code is going to be put into all of America, or all everybody as much as possible because. They know most conservatives don't are not going to get the GBG out from the pandemic. So, and it's mm-hmm. like those that do get it seem to always have an escalation of issues, and they're mm-hmm. always they're always they always they always get it. And it's like, well, I it's three years now, and I don't I haven't gotten it, and it's like I'm not the most man of uh, not I'm not I won't be the person to look at, at for a, a beacon of health, but you know I haven't gotten sick. That's true. Well, and I think that's where too like my my love and my my new addiction to to archery hunting. Um, like really stemmed was like seeing that whole experience and what you can can learn from it and then how it like really impacted my health and how I needed that for my daily diet and all of those things. So I think like that was probably the most memorable first deer buck. Um, that was my first deer. It's my first buck. I mean, I will never. Yeah, it was a lot story. of firsts for her. It was um, a you, lot. So is it, do you have it mounted? I do have it mounted. Um, it's on the other side of the fireplace from one of Travis's. So we have a his and her side. Um, I I had to make sure that they were, they were mounted so we could have that. Um, yeah, it's across from my first big buck I ever shot. Yeah. Um, which I shot with my stepdad. Um, and we can talk about that later, but it, uh, 
Yeah, they match, and they're shot on the same farm, probably 200 yards apart. Yeah. From each other. Same lineage? Um, possibly. I mean, yeah, probably. He's from my, they're from the typical side of my property's genetics. Um, okay. So, yeah, probably pretty similar. Fair enough. Um, yeah. As far as genetics. I'm wondering, like, what the, dis- the time frame between your first buck and his big buck that are on the wall. Uh, it would. It was, like, exactly five years. Yeah, because um, I, I shot it right the year my, my oldest daughter was born was the biggest buck that I so had shot. your buck could be as, like, a great-grandson yeah, of his. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How it all, like, worked mm-hmm. out, like, yeah. There's a lot of interesting, like, things about our dates of, like, when we shot the buck and who was with us and how it all happened um, that just makes it, like, meant to be. I would say that would that was my most memorable just because, of course, it was my first. Um, I've learned a lot since then um harvesting a few others my one this year was a little bit more talk about a story of resilience and overcoming obstacles that was this last year um but i would say learn every you're one of four (laughs) this year i'm filling the freezer (laughs) (laughs) you you had a pretty memorable year you you shot four deer this year well yeah so this year um it was uh well my two doe harvests um my youngest was in the stand with me both times okay. she's my lucky my lucky doe hunter um she got to sit with me both times and the second um doe that I shot she actually begged to go hunting that weekend um she goes can we just go one more time and I was like wow girl like it's it's like the end of November like wow are you sure it's gonna be chilly and no we went and she's like I just want to see you shoot one more and. I actually had to have her sit as far back in the stand as possible because I had to shoot right. Um, and she literally watched it lock sink happen time. Like she's like, I'll lean back. I'll do this. So both my does were shot with her. That one also was the first one that I recovered my arrow from. Um, but when we went to go find her, she was burrowed down between like three fallen trees. Like a, um, like a 150 year old oak had fallen. So like it, six feet in diameter like just massive tree and yeah she was under it i have a cute picture of travis looking into the tree um just staring at it like with <laughs> defeat when i was like she's in there and he's like no she's not and i was like oh she's in there and i'm kind of giggling because we you've heard us joke about the the guide service um that kayla and i have is is our men are here to help us <laughs> help us at the end factor of things um and he's literally like she's in that tree and literally we had to climb around up and over and like pull her out from underneath a tree yeah um, i mean i ended out. up gutting her in that little like uh little circle the like a y-shaped triangle just big enough for me and her to be standing in because there was no way I was moving her because she was, I mean, she was a good four year old yeah. doe, like big, yeah. heavy that, doe. She's um, a thick girl. Yeah, yeah, she was thick. That's for sure. Um, and yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. Um, my buck this year was probably my, my favorite um, out of all of them that I've shot. And he's, he's from a small section of our gene pool. Yeah. He's um, a, he's a non typical. Um, it was it was interesting. I had I had shot one the night before. We couldn't find any blood. I thought I was I I was scared. I hit the void, um, and I was like, "Man, we're gonna have to go look out in the morning. It's too dark." Um, and so he convinced me. He's like, "Yeah, we need to we need to pull out. We need to come back at, at it in the morning. You go sit in this other stand." And I was like, "Okay." And we had set up a, a blind over the summer um, when I was struggling with some health things and. 
Um, we set it up right by a um, honey locust tree, which if any of you know what a honey locust tree is, is the thorny locust that has those big, huge thorns on it. Those um, fuckers. They're <laughs> terrible. Um, but I think the trees are so beautiful. I like, took one to the face when we were, oh man, yeah, when yeah. we were getting her button buck in the wintertime, and it, it tore my face up. Like, oh, just, and it was just a tiny little branch uh, hanging off it, and just, I thought I was done, like, Lip was bleeding, just gushing blood, like, ugh. Well, so we, we set up a blind there, and that has been, like, it's the shortest walking distance, and we set it up there so that he could drop me off in the morning. I could walk just a little ways out, and I wouldn't be, like, winded in the morning. Um, and so he, he told me, he's like, okay, the next morning, we'll, we'll go look for it after you go in there. And I was like, okay, fine. Well, I was once again upset because it was an evening hunt. I shot a deer. I couldn't recover it. I'm all upset. Next morning, we go out, and I was like, we're pulling in for him to drop me off, and I was like, was that a, I go, wow, that looked like a, I don't, I don't even know what I said it was, but I was like, it looked like a miniature horse. No, you're like, was like that a, what's that brown thing that ran yeah, by you? And, and he's like, like ah, I it's don't probably know. a dog or um, something, you know, like just trying to brush it off. And I had thought like, I, I had an idea. <laughs> I had thought like, okay, was it a coyote? I don't know. I just need to get out of the truck. I need to get to the blind. Everything's fine. I get to the blind. Um, I have to set it back up because of course the wind the night before, um, whatever, I'm all mad again. I'm like, the only reason I'm out here is so I can go look for my deer. And literally as I just pop the last part of the blind out and I go to like step in it, I hear the yipping coyotes like getting closer. And I was like, wow, it's really close. And I'm, I'm like kind of looking around. I can't see anything. Um, I had tossed my backpack in the blind and I was like, okay, now I need to grab my bow and I need to step in. And as I did that, I see like this pack of eyes coming right around the corner from me. And I'm like, I hear dogs, but I also hear the yipping. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I just like yelled, get, get, get. And I like, like literally nose planted into the blind, um, right on top of my bow, which I was like, well, this is real safe. Um, <laughs> but as I get in there, I'm yelling and you see, they all just like freeze and stop. And I just see like six to eight different sets of eyes. And then I see like half of them scurry, like, and they're gone. And I'm like, Okay. And there's like two sets of eyes, like still like out there. I can't see anything. I'm like trying to pull the blind down, but I'm also like, get, get, get. I'm like, my heart's racing. I'm like, what is that? And so I'm sitting there, I'm trying to text him knowing he's walking out to his stand. So he's probably not getting my messages. I'm trying to calm my heart rate down. I'm also just like, wow, now I think I've wet myself because I, I was scared I was getting attacked by coyotes. Side um, effects of pregnancy. Yeah, well, yeah, like I was literally like, I'm sweating, but is that pee? I'm not quite sure. Um, and I just kind of sat there. So I started texting everybody I knew and I was just like, who's awake? Who's awake? And I remember it was like the longest 20 minutes for the sun to come up and this one set of eyes would not go away. And I was like, what is that? I kept saying, get, get, get. And as it got lighter out it looked like our red bone coon hound that we have and i was like is that a dog and it was just sitting like a statue right there and i was like well there's definitely no deer coming out because i've made a complete ruckus at this point in time i'm he's not texting me back and i'm like wow what is happening here and sure enough when it finally got light out it is uh it was a bloodhound it was a full bl blood blood bloodhound dog like just big old floppy eared and he was beautiful whiny, dog and he was scared and i was like either she. He, either she just saved me from the coyotes or i saved her and i'm not quite sure which it was but she sat there and she was whining and at first i was like get get like and she was not leaving she was a statue she sat right there it was also the night before it had like sleeted and it was freezing rain Ooh. and she was like shivering and so i had said get enough where she crawled up against the fence line in 
all these weeds and like curled up in a tiny little ball and was whimpering. And then my heart broke. And all of a sudden it was like, oh gosh, this is not okay. So I went out, rescued her, found out she had been um, missing for like the past three days. And so we ended up finding her home, went to go track my deer, couldn't find my deer because we had blood all the way to the river. And then there was nothing in the river and there was nothing after it. So couldn't recover my deer from the night before. So I go out that night and I was like, let's be resilient get into our our bail blind that we built together over the summer and i'm like okay i can overcome this there's gonna be more deer this is gonna be okay and i go to get my bow all ready to go i go to flip it on to range out a few things and my scope battery is dead oh no and i'm like this like this is it like my season's over i'm done i'm like i'm exhausted i've had too much emotional stimulation over the past 24 hours that i was like i can't so he's trying to help me troubleshoot saying well take the one out of your rangefinder and put it in your scope and do this well the story about this scope is i added it to my crossbow this year so that it could help range while i'm also um I don't know how would you describe it. It's well, it's going to eliminate a step, so it eliminates the the need to use a handheld rangefinder, um, and encases it all into her scope. So you turn it on, yeah. and you can Burris, actually it's yeah. Burris Oracle, yeah. and you can mm-hmm. you can hit the the button that's uh, mounted next to her trigger, and it'll actually range different things and move other things for you. So it just eliminates a lot of steps and makes it easier and smoother for her to, to be more successful. So that list of like 20,000 things went to like one less um, <laughs> of things I needed to think about when a deer came out. So yeah. here I am, no scope, can't see the lights. My scope's not lighting up to even have crosshairs lit up. Um, it's getting dark. I'm I'm angry. I'm mad. I, I don't have a backup battery, lesson learned. And when we bought this scope, um, where we went, I had a really hard time because I struggle as a female hunter going in to purchase these types of things because one, everyone just talks to Travis. Um, Even after being redirected. He says, no, you need to talk to her. This is hers. And they continue to talk to Travis. And then also during this situation, um, after I kind of like was playing with it and I was like, okay, I think I want it. I like this. And I was like, so this is going to eliminate this, 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 just trying to run through it. And the worker at that time goes, well, this is going to eliminate a lot. This is this is basically cheating. Like, it ranges for you. It does this, and you're using a crossbow. And I just stood there, like, heartbroken because I'm like, if you only knew the obstacles I had to overcome to even get out to a stand, like, and for you to classify me as a cheater, I, I really, this like, took this haul. This was from a sales rep. Yes, it was. Um, I would have walked away. Like so, he he's so, lucky his nose was intact. So Let's just tra- put it that way. When he said that, I instantly froze and Travis saw my face and my two little girls were there too. And I knew at that moment, like this was like a make or break moment of like, I either allow this to continue to happen or like how I react right now is something that they're going to remember. And I just stood yeah. there and when I was ready to react, Travis looked him dead in the eye and said, she has some major health issues. Not cool, man. And he just kind of looked at me and he looked at looked at um him and he just like froze and i'm like wow it just like showcases like the invisible illness is just not like i don't know respected um and he just stared at me he was like okay well do do you want to buy it and i was like well not if you just call me a cheater but so there's a lot of backstory around this scope so when the battery was dead there was a lot of cursing that took place because he also said this battery isn't going to die for like three years. And, and I it was shouldn't like, have. like, it's, you know, so again, I was just like huffing and I'm like, okay, well let's go old school. Um, I got my rangefinder out, found like some points to like help myself. And I was like, well, we'll see how this goes. And 
And sure enough, 20 minutes later, after I had my own little tizzy fit, I think I texted you that night too. And I was like, Kayla, I'm done. Like, I'm done with this. I'm pissed. I'm like, this is all happening. Like, I think my season's over. Um, I'm frustrated. I'm cold. Um, I've been called a cheater. Like, this, this is it. And, and I told you the guy was an idiot and I was proud of you and you inspire me every single day. Yes. And so I, I sat there and I waited and sure enough, here comes this buck. Um, and again, I'm sitting in the bail blind that we had built together over the summer and I'm like, well, he looks great. He's a tall rack. Don't know how many points, but he looks good. I'm excited. Let's see what happens. The range that I had there, I think was like 39 yards. Oh gosh. And then I also had the like ethical hunter in me of like, don't just start flinging arrows, but also, my temper might have gotten a little bit to me. And I was like, let's do it. I was like, if he steps one more step, he's gone. And I I fired and he kicked because by this, this is three years later. I now yeah. know to yeah. do they kick? What did the tail do? What direction did they go? Get the phone out, take the picture, circle where he went into the woods so that you can know the exact tree, stick, limb, what it happened. Like I had done all the things and then I text Travis. Um, so I had to do all those things first. And I was, it was like, great. I got the picture and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, here's the awesome. picture. Here's the circle. And he's like, OK, did you get him? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, I, I, I think I got the artage again. I could barely see my crosshairs. My scope doesn't light up. I'm I'm frustrated. I'm mad. Well, then 20 minutes later, here comes another buck. And I was like, well, you miss 100 percent of the shots that you don't take. <laughs> and I was like, well, now I know that was a bad choice because, again, I could have just injured deer than not. But I flung another arrow, 100% miss. And I was like, well, I only got one left. I only carry three out with me. So whatever else comes out, you're down. And sure enough, another one came out way farther than I should ever even attempt to shoot. And I let another arrow fly just out of anger and definitely missed. And I was like, well, I text Travis. I go, well, I'm out of arrows. I'm going to go see if I can find blood. And he's like, what? <laughs> You, and I'm like, yes. well, three arrows, three broadheads. Yeah. And he goes, do you realize the amount of money you just flew into the air? And I was like, well, I didn't think about it that way, but, but it I helps. feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing this year after I lost my, my arrow fell off my dough and Tyson knew that that's what I needed. So he just let it happen. Let her rip. We still have not found that arrow or that broadhead, but Hey, I felt better. Yes. Exactly. So I went to go look for the blood trail and of course there was no blood there. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. And I started walking up the ravine. Cause I was like, well, I looked out the other window and I was like, I didn't see it pop out to the other field. So I was like, it's gotta be in this ravine or it traveled up the ravine, which like would be not a path a deer would take. And so I'm like, well, I'll just keep wandering. So I'm just wandering around looking, looking, looking. And then all of a sudden it was like a bloodbath. And it, there he was. Um, and I was like, sweet. And so I, I text him. I was like, I got him. And he's like, how big? And I was like, I don't know. And so like, I'm like slowly scurrying up to it. Like, is it dead? Is it flopping? I don't know what to happen. And I pick, I pick the head up. I take a picture. And I was like, okay, I need to get out. So I know my path back in. And I was like, well, he's kind of interesting. I was like, he's not normal. And he's like, what do you mean he's not normal? I was like, he's not a normal rack. And so as I get up to meet him at the truck um, where I had text the landowner too, he's like, I'm bringing a side by side. You're not hauling it out alone. I was like, this is why we love you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was him. Yeah, he, he would come rescue me if it was Travis's deer. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but I show the picture True. to Travis and he goes, holy shit. And I was like, 
well, he's kind of interesting. Are you proud? Was like my first reaction. He goes, you realize that's the, what did we call him all year? I don't remember what we really called him, but like I, I had told you had, had he walked by, I was going to shoot him just because I didn't want him to get shot during shotgun season. And like, he's just super goofy, like just odd. Like you can pick him out of a crowd, like just weird deer. Um, and yeah. but his, th- his one side has three main three main beams, I guess. Yeah, he's, call he, he, from from his base. He he sprouts three points straight out of his base. There's no no main beam, nothing. He's just kind of like a like the like the a thorny, thorny locust. locust. Like literally, just he looks like three, straight out of his head. Three thorns of a stick of a thorny locust, and it was just really interesting because I shot him right there by where that blind is. The thorny locust was my sign for the year of like being resilient and like even though you might not be deemed like beautiful to all people, like it's beautiful to some and like it, it you just have your own uniqueness. And so it just was it was interesting that after everything that occurred in the 24 hours leading up to getting this deer, everything was just a hot mess. Um, and then the fact that that was the deer that he's like, you know, I have like 20 pictures of him. From our cameras all How year. dare you? Like, like he <laughs> just had this moment. But, but also, where you shot him uh, was on the other side of the highway from where he really made where his circle. Yep. Um, That's the book she's talking and, about. And, uh, like, he never really left where I, I had him until right? that day. Um, so it was it was great. He was, he was different. So I made my landowner take a picture with me. He just rolled his eyes, and he's like, all right. Gave him a big hug. Um, oh, it's in our group, yeah. And I've, I think I've seen like, it in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one that's like, it's memorable because it's unique. And it's also like just the resilience of, of getting through it all. So those are my top two, two bucks. Um, I have, I have two others. I have a mm-hmm. few others, but I would say those are, those are my top stories. That's awesome. Yeah, we, 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 I was love looking down. We're, we're almost at the two hour mark here. Is there anything we haven't uh, discussed that you want to, any final thoughts or anything you want to say before we wrap it up? I would say if you are a female shooter, you definitely need to find yourself, someone else who knows everything you're going through, everything you're feeling. I mean, there's times when Julie and I are just sitting in the tree stands texting each other like, we can't believe we're here. Like, just being outside, the sunset, the sunrise. She knows how I feel. I know how she feels after we shoot a buck. It's a completely different experience than what the guys are feeling. And just knowing that she knows how I feel, how I know how she feels. It's just nice that we have each other to lean on. And I mean, this is a guy's world. We're finding our place in it. We're trying our best and we're dominating it. And no one can take our experiences away. So find yourself a Julie. Find yourself a Julie. Julie. I think that's the name of the podcast. And a guide service. And and a a team. And all jokes aside, like there's there's so many ups and downs in in this sport. Like and and to measure success, like you know, people will say like you got to shoot a deer, you got to do this, you got to do that. That's not. Yes, that's that's the cake and the icing on the top, but that's not like what's successful. Successful is the time with your family, with your friends, the things that you get to. Uh, bounce off of those people and enjoy and like yeah we joke with the girls about you know this guide service but like i wouldn't do it if i didn't want to like i i absolutely enjoy being able to pass those things on that i learned from my mentors you know to them and so that they have that wealth of knowledge for you know the younger years or others that are coming up like and just just give them that that 
information and the feeling that that I get from sharing it with those people. So and one big takeaway for me this year is just I don't have to get a deer. I enjoy my time in the woods. It's my time to myself. It's my time to decompress. Our lives are crazy. When I'm out in that tree stand, that's my time. Mm-hmm. That's well said there. Yeah, I think it's it's probably common knowledge now that I didn't really have a deer hunting mentor, so I was self-taught a lot, read magazines, tons and tons of trial and error and dumb mistakes like we talked about earlier. But, like, it's pretty – it's not pretty. It's very rewarding for me to be able to share what I know with Kayla and get her started on the right foot, you know, and be successful – you know, pretty much off the start, you know, like she's done a ton of the work, but like I'm there for her and you know, like just having that experience together. Um, and then right after Julie's scope experience in the, the store, Travis, he's like, man, you're not going to believe this bullshit, you know? And like here, he's telling me the story, you know, basically word for word, what she just said. And like, I, here I'm getting upset. I'm like, man, do we need to go down there and fuck somebody up or get them fired? Like what's going on? Cause like, he remained way more calm than I would have in that situation. I would have freaking lost my mind and caused a scene and probably got myself arrested. And he's like, nah, he's like, I let her handle it. He's like, I didn't know what she was going to do. Like, she's about crying. He's like, I almost just walked away. Like, and I was like, man, let's, this guy needs to, something needs to happen. And he's like, nope, she did her thing. She's like, it was a make or break moment. And, you know, and then the next day was, I think, She's like, did you see this deer that Julie shot? You know, I was well, like, and two to like, add man, to that, they were just like, talking about like they weren't going to hunt. Like she was all pissed off. I'm like I missed part of the conversation ended we, or something. And we, we go to Misty's and eat breakfast. We, we, we touched on this. This is a lot, little bit of this here. We're in there eating breakfast. Like it was, the, I think it was that next day. It was, it was that same week after I had shot it. And that gentleman walked into this small town diner that i was like I turns out he's like, your neighbor <laughs> i literally froze and i was like is that and he's like oh that's him and he saw you and i wanted to be like you want to go see what's in our truck but i just thought it was better to take the high road and 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 let it be what it is um but yeah and he kind of cowered in the corner and ate his breakfast as fast as he could and got out like <laughs> but yeah yeah i mean it's little things like that like the icing on the cake is man we got our revenge on this guy look what happened after he said we were cheated you know or cheating but then it's fun to be able to battery (laughs) yeah yeah but it's fun to (laughs) i would never be able to do it again i could have done this with a slingshot (laughs) but like but then we get to come and actually you know we've talked about this we've met up since then but like we get to come and sit down and share our experiences with you and with everybody else that listens to your podcast you know and hopefully somebody one person takes something away from this you know like we did our job or not even our job we did what we love to do is educate people you know and then we get to meet up every year at the deer classic it seems and like we run into friends and people that we haven't seen in like army friend of mine that i haven't seen in years and i didn't know he was a deer hunter but here he is you know and like we did a quick catch-up thing and found out we had more mutual friends in common than we remember and well yeah it's just just the the deer hunt i mean we've talked about this too before the deer hunting community is it's pretty tight knit i mean there's a little groups and here and there but like if you open yourself up and let yourself be vulnerable to other people you gain a world of knowledge that somebody else is going to bring to you no 100 percent, man this is we were talking about like the the sanctum the ser the the 
Basilica being outside in the world and being in the woods. I talked had a good conversation with Johnny Mullen, which is actually here oddly enough at the Isle Classic, but <laughs> we were talking about how we grieved because like we both received bad news of significant loved ones passing away while we're in the woods. And it was probably the best place to receive that noise or that news because it's only you and your feelings. You're able to go through the whole arc. Was that his podcast with you, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I listened to that. We listened to that on our drive to Wisconsin, actually, one day. And I was like, man, that guy's story is like the rags to like riches to rags to riches and like the hardship and the the resiliency. And I mean, that's kind of this whole podcast has been based around the mentorship and the resiliency and the making yourself vulnerable. And that's, I think if you dig down and get to know guys like all of us, like Johnny and Chris Ham and all our other friends from the HHA so, side. Gonna be here. And like, gonna be here today, so. yeah, I mean, a lot of us have, there's a, some sort of connection there. You might have to dig a little bit to get somebody to talk about it, but there's always that, that bond that goes beyond the hunting world, mm -hmm. you know, and here we got good friends with us now and, you know, we keep adding here and there, and it's interesting just the, the dynamic of the friend circle. Yeah, it is. It's quite interesting. Oh, Kayla wanted to say something. No? No. I, I would just say, like, the things I've learned getting back into hunting is is just, like, how you can get so connected with your inner self, um, and you you can process so much more when you're out there in your tree stand. The fact that Luke Bryant put out that song, you know, praying in a tree stand this year. Um, like I've never had anything resonate to me as much as that. Um, just because we've, we've said all the time, like, I just need to go to the stand. I'll feel much better. Just give me a few hours in the stand. And I think, you know, the story that you'll want to chat with Travis about another day is, is his, um, deer harvest from 2020. Um, and you know, the significance of what that had to his, his archery mentor, his, his stepdad who is now deceased. Um, I think that would be one for the books because there is a lot of, a lot of processing that happens out there in the tree stand and. Um, people don't get it until you do it. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, I want to say thank you for everybody sticking into the full two hours of the podcast. Greatly appreciate everybody coming on board today and sharing some intimate stories. So I'm going to roll the intro and be done for the day.